0: Hey, this is Andy. Welcome to Episode 7 of This Won't Teach You Anything. Today, we're going to be featuring on the film reel, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And I've got a special guest, a good friend of mine, Sean Kennedy. As these movies did come out a while ago, we will, in fact, be spoiling them. And we'll do cross-references to the books, uh, the film, actors, whatnot. We'll cover a bunch of things on it. And uh, Sean is uh, one of my best friends and a huge Tolkien fan and a great reference when it comes to discussing the books to the movies or the movies to the books so let's get to it to the film reel and today I've got a, a special guest here a good friend of mine Sean Kennedy Sean say hello
1: hey how are you
0: good good and today we're going to be talking um the Lord of the Rings film uh trilogy and I I brought you on because yep and fellowship of the ring uh we'll get into two towers and the return of the king but I brought you on because I believe you and our good friend Josh were the first people that actually put me on to the Lord of the Rings, even though in book form, even though I didn't read it till after I saw the movies. So,
1: yeah, we were dedicated virgin nerds real early and stayed pretty late. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. No, no problem there. Now, I remember hearing about these books all the time. So you probably what what brought you into what are your memories of, because for me, my Lord of the Rings and knowing you and Josh, I mean, that's that's kind of, especially you, mm. because I remember we've talked about this and the memories you have of growing up um, and and your dad reading you The Hobbit right. and, and things like that. Uh, mine was Star Wars. So that's kind of my, but is it fair to say that your Star Wars was the Lord of the Rings?
1: Uh, no, no. All right, um, go ahead. Because uh you know, you and I are being the same age, Star Wars was was Star Wars for mm-hmm. us there there isn't anything that really compares to that. Gotcha. actually, I kind of feel bad for kids growing up today because they don't have anything that could compare with that nothingness up until Star Wars. but now, um, Lord of the Rings didn't start for me until uh, middle school. My dad had been reading The Hobbit to me when I was in when I was still in the cradle. okay. And uh, it wasn't until middle school when uh, Josh and I and a couple other people like Brandon Germano and things like that, we're like fifth, sixth grade, started getting into Dungeons & Dragons. Okay. And playing that game, you reach for you reach for anything that can help you out with it, any kind of uh, inference or anything like that. And we started with uh, reading science fiction and fantasy novels. Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings was at the top of the top of the heap for that. Okay. And so that's where it started for us.
0: Really. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now the books, as I remember from reading them, I mean, they're, they're pretty long. And since Tolkien, if my memory serves me correct, wasn't a novel writer as far as a traditional novelist.
1: He, you know, he was a, he was a linguist and he was a Don at, uh, I can't remember if it was Cambridge or Oxford. I think it was Oxford, but, uh, um, he, he liked writing stories and he liked writing. He was a member of a club with, uh, a couple other people like CS Lewis. And he just liked to really like to come up with, uh, uh, myths and mm-hmm. things like that because he, he, he didn't, he didn't appreciate that. They didn't have as much, in Britain as what they had. I mean, you had like King Arthur and things like that, but if you go over to Europe, they have, you know, more developed type of things like that. And he, he wanted to to bring something like that together.
0: Yeah. Now had there, I mean, the depth at which he went through. So the appendices Mm -hmm. and the Cimmerillion and things like that, I mean, was, is there anything, especially in the timeframe, which he, when he wrote these things that goes as deep as what he did with the lore?
1: No, not as far as I
0: know right and um, and he even created the, his the own elvish language.
1: yeah yeah not not just the the, the elvish language with the dwarvish uh, runes and everything else there and he, you know he uh, this was you know his baby yeah and everything that he got he'd started writing i believe in uh world war 1 while he was still serving uh, over in europe in france okay and uh uh i remember that uh it was he came back and he wrote the hobbit first and that got published and it did so well that the publishers wanted him to go with more than that.
0: What happens next?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, his, his original thought was, uh, was his, some Silmarillion stuff, which none of that was really put together. It was more like just a collection of notes the way I understand mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. Um, you know, just stuff that he had been writing off and on and poetry. He was really big into writing, uh, Beowulf type story poetry and things like that. Okay. But, you know, they obviously they're, they're not going to want something like that. So he, he decided on a specific point in uh, the world that he had developed, which was the Lord of the Rings.
0: Okay. So now he's got, he writes the Lord of the Rings and it was originally one book.
1: Yeah, he wanted just he wanted one book with just multiple volumes. Okay, which uh, any any publisher is going to look at that and be like, uh, no, that's not going to work. Um, I, I don't even know how they would have published things back then. I mean, he he started on that in, oh, I want to say 1936. Um, not kind of, kind which of I think would up
0: surprise up a lot of people that, that don't
1: already know that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, this was I mean he he is the really the one who is to be credited with uh, almost everything that you find in like Dungeons and Dragons and things like that, you know, the orcs. I mean, you know, of course there'd been, you know, things like dragons and things like that in lorem things like, but orcs and uh, elves and their, and their societies and things like that, that all comes back a lot of, almost everything that came out of uh, for Dungeons and Dragons came out of the world that he built really. And
0: uh, fair to say (laughs) might or might not be game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. W- without
1: Lord oh, yeah. of the Rings. Oh, yeah. No. Um, George R. R. Martin has given, you know, a lot of uh, talk about how much the, the fantasy and science fiction uh, genre owes to people like in particular. J.R.R. Sure. R. Tolkien.
0: Sure. I think even and I don't I don't have any real reference of it. But I think when you look at things again, going back to Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars, especially the the original three movies mm. were more of a fantasy. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a sci-fi setting,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, you had wizards and.
1: Yeah. And it, yeah. And the, the space opera is, is mm-hmm. how he put it originally. Right. Wasn't
0: it? Right. It was. So, uh, we end up having, uh, the Lord <clears throat> of the Rings to work on. And I think for years people had been trying to go ahead and figure out a way to, uh, with the popularity of the book, it was, how to make it.
1: Yeah. It was popularity of the book was second only for a long time, a second only to the Bible. Sure. Um, which I think has been supplanted now by like Harry Potter or something mm-hmm. like that, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it was—I mean, the kind of thing that we, you know—you got into the uh, the '60s, and there'd be uh, graffiti on the walls down in uh, the London uh, London subways. You know, Frodo lives and right. things like that. Right,
0: and who can forget Leonard Nimoy's "The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins"? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if yeah. you don't know that uh, that song, I, I highly recommend you look up. That's right. Leonard Nimoy's "The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins," but treat yourself and look it up on YouTube so you can see the video. It's <laughs> astonishing because I think he recorded it at, during the the filming of of uh, the original series of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So he has the Spock haircut, <laughs> and it is it's just a, a beautiful train wreck.
1: <laughs> Clearly on mushrooms. <laughs> yes, I
0: mean something you will never be the same again after you. You witness this. Um, so we get uh, – it, it gets sorted out and I think it's interesting. Again, uh, The Hobbit mm. was out and then Lord of the Rings. Now, the, the films, the non-animated films, yeah, um, it went Lord of the Rings and then eventually The Hobbit. But uh, there was a gamble w- with the movies because the studios originally wanted to only do two films mm. because they only – you wanted to bankroll and if, if The Fellowship of the Ring fell flat – you know, these were expensive movies, Right. expensive movies to make, and they were being handed over to, you know, an uh, um, on a scale this big, an unproven director.
1: Oh, very unproven. As far as I knew at that point, the only thing he had done was Bad Taste, which yeah. is uh, probably the most horrifying movie that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> And might I add, purchased. <laughs> yeah, I bought it because it was that bad. It was one of those things that you want to be able to look at and say, you know, I can't believe this thing actually happened. Somebody, put I must own this. In, oh, this it's too I had it stolen from me, actually, because somebody else couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> no, But um, the, the way I understood it was they shopped it around to a bunch of different studios. And nobody wanted to pay for more than two at the most. Sure. Because that's Um, a big investment if it falls flat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the only thing they had uh, that would be something comparable to that uh, as far as what they could get their money was worth out of would have been, you know, the model for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. You know, because even other other franchises like Indiana Jones, things like that, it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of one story broken up into three different uh, parts.
0: And there's a bit of a risk with a fantasy setting because it it can be Mm -hmm. a it can be a very niche audience. Yeah. That that goes ahead and does that, especially the way the books were written. Because I think you know one of the things that we had talked about, and we'll get get into the films here in a second, but were the the things like um, uh, Arwen's character Mm. was expanded Uh,
1: in in the films, not just expanded, just completely built. I I don't think she had she didn't. I know she didn't have a single line in the books. I think she was only mentioned one time in one line at the end of the third book.
0: So there you go. But the movies, the executives, and whatnot, and and I don't know how much I, I know you're, I know you're a huge fan of Peter Jackson, um, I, I so I don't know who's doing it was, but in 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 modern cinema there has to be at least in the studio executives eyes a love interest,
1: a love and, interest and a comic relief, yeah,
0: so that has to happen, and and that's uh, two sore points for you.
1: It is very much, yeah, so. yeah.
0: So anyway, we go we go ahead and uh, the Fellowship of the Ring hits theaters. And uh, what's your what's your thoughts when the fellowship hits? So you you see it when?
1: Well, I don't remember when I saw it. I remember seeing the uh, previews for it, and uh, well, they had been talking about it for years before that. And uh, you know, I I never had any any real hopes of it actually coming to a actual film i mm-hmm. thought maybe somebody might do an animated version that would be acceptable because the scope is huge yeah it's just monstrous and you know i i'd seen the 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 uh, obscenity that they had done with dune and david lynch and i didn't want to see anything like that happen to it and uh so i was just when they when it came out that it was going to be made and it was uh and they they had approached to i don't remember what uh, what company it was and not only that did they say that we want to do in two movies, but the producer says, well, this is obviously something that has to be done in three. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Oh, great. Yeah. You know, I heard that and I was like, well, this, this might not be bad. And then I, then I heard Peter Jackson was at the helm and I was like, Oh God, you know, cause I had already seen bad taste and <laughs> I just my, so my, my expectations kind of went through the floor. Right. And so I, I went into it still excited mm-hmm. to see, you know, something that was so, even integral. if it
0: captured a little bit of what you expected,
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the, uh, um, it was—it really was so integral to what we were, me and my friends, when we were kids. Um, you know, I joke about the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons things, but we were really, really into that kind of thing, and we pulled from the the world of uh, Middle Earth and we pulled from this world and other fantasies and things like that. So just to be able to see it on screen, sure, it was still going to be excited. So I went into it. Thinking that they were probably going to botch it. Okay. So
0: your expectations were low. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things that that I didn't learn until later, and I think it was probably a discussion either you and I had or Josh and you and I had about it, was in the movies, Frodo's a lot younger than he is in the books.
1: He, uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of – you know Or
0: the age of the Hobbit looks – 50 may look 30.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's kind of difficult to gauge the age of it. I mean, because like, uh, I mean the Hobbit Bilbo was, uh, approaching middle age for his for himself at that age. And Frodo was, uh, you know, much, much younger, but they didn't really go into how much younger, but he was clearly an adult. Okay. You know, he wasn't like a teenager or anything like that. Okay. So they, they, you know, that went, that went well.
0: Okay, so we're we're pretty good, and I don't think I think we can both agree that that Gandalf couldn't have been better cast.
1: No, no, he was perfect, perfect. Um, I heard that they offered it to Sean Connery, and uh, he turned it down. Which, as much as I love Sean Connery, and I do, I, I don't think that he could have done better than. Uh,
0: um, no, you would Ian have. McKellen. You would have seen probably Sean Connery being Sean Connery as Gandalf, exactly, because that's kind <laughs> yeah. of what he does, <laughs> yeah. which is okay. I'm I'm fine with that, but yeah, Ian Ian McKellen was Gandalf. Mm-hmm. When you saw him up there, that's that's yeah. who he was. So.
1: And they did a, they did a really good job, you know, the and I'm sure we'll get into more of it, but they, they did a good job on, on everything in particular in that first, first movie. Yeah. Uh, like it's my favorite of, the, of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mine too. I mean, that, that the first one stayed closest to his vision more than any of the other two. Um, not that they did a bad one, bad job with the third one, but the first one really captured everything that was important in the first book.
0: Right, I mean, it gave you kind of that sense of, of you know, because it, it they make a, a big sen- a, a big deal of it being an adventure,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and it really was, especially to somebody who at that point hadn't read the books yet. Yeah, you know, I'm watching this on screen, and I, I hearkened back to now. I didn't know you in middle school, but I played Dungeons and Dragons as well, mm-hmm. and so you know, it this is the kind of stuff that you're seeing it on screen. And, you know, you always have an idea in your mind because you, it was your imagination in Dungeons and Dragons right. that really kind of filled it in. And now you're seeing this stuff on here. Mm-hmm. And even though Fellowship being, I'm going to call it the smallest of the movies, you yeah. know, and, and more character driven, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is is one of the reasons it, it worked well. I mean, the biggest battle was in the movies at the end of that the film. More, and it yeah. wasn't anything, you know, like um, the Pelennor Fields or, or Helm's Deep or anything like that. But – Um, still it, for somebody who didn't read the books still, I, I enjoyed it immensely for what it was. I don't think there were, I, I couldn't find anybody that brought me out of. The movie and I'm just, you know, just like broke, broke yeah. it for you.
1: Yeah. Then, and, and you know, that's, that's one of the ways that I gauge a movie. I, you know, I, I consider if I'm watching a movie and my attention wanders to anything, to my, to my watch or to whatever I hear down the hall, down, you know, that's how I know that I'm, I'm not in a good movie, but you know, a good movie will pull you in to the point where you're not even aware of yourself anymore sure. and all you are is they part of this and watching it happen. And they did a fantastic job. And just from the, from the very get go, from the very beginning of it, mm-hmm. they did a fantastic job. They got uh, all the characters really, really correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and uh, I, I was talking to you earlier last night, I was watching the uh, extended edition, which comes with, uh, you know, I highly recommend that anybody who's any kind of fan of this buy the boxed extended edition. It's got four DVDs and it's just filled with hours of behind the scenes footage of how they how they built this and how they built all the the Hobbiton and everything else out in New Zealand and mm-hmm. what have you and the Weta Workshop and everything else and not only that but I really liked listening to Ian McKellen talk about how you know people would walk around the set carrying the book with them sure you know not not just I mean because apparently they were you know working with the script every day too to tightening things up but um Ian McKellen would walk around with the book under his robe while he's acting and things like that and uh, he would point out things to like uh when when uh, Frodo wakes up in the bed in Rivendell and uh, Sam comes in to you know excited that he's awake he's like now look make sure you when you run up you grab his hand because you know that's in the book and the fans will be looking for that and I was like thank you Ian yeah. McKellen yeah. Way to bring it yeah
0: yeah and I do remember as well um uh, Christopher Lee who played Sauron. Oh yeah. Huge Tolkien fan.
1: Oh, immense, yeah.
0: And so he was kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things I know that they did right or that not right, but right um is for visuals they brought on board uh Alan Lee
1: mm-hmm. and John Howe mm-hmm.
0: who had done w- what Every
1: I, poster I ever owned, yes, right, and and even
0: in some editions of the books, there were you know limited illustrations in there, mm-hmm. and uh, so Rivendell looked yeah. like Rivendell should look.
1: Yeah, everything uh, that a, everything that a fan who had been interested at all in it would expect, mm-hmm. you know, and we came in, I came in expecting them to you know go with the uh, the lowest common denominator. But uh, no, they, they brought the A game right? and bringing, you know, like you said, bringing Alan Lee on there. That was, that was immense. Sure. I'm not joking. I I mean, I mean, you, you were in that apartment out at Blackhawk. I had that big, huge poster on my wall.
0: Yeah. And I think any, yeah, I mean that, that poster is famous in, in that, that's, that's 20, that would have been 20 years before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. And that poster, that poster had probably been printed (laughs) <laughs> a thousand times before that yeah in, in in many different pressings so yeah it the, the film trilogy had some huge shoes to fill mm-hmm. because i I think especially for uh, the absolute diehard fans who grew up with the books they knew that that was going to be their core if they didn't if they didn't grab a hold of those, those fans
1: and reel them in early. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They're not going to go ahead. I mean, if fellowship sucked. You're not, I know you and you're not going to go see the other two. No, you, no. you might catch them if they're on TV Yeah, and we'd sit around and just bash them. Yeah. Or, or what, you know, the three of us would sit there and Josh, you and I just sit there and, and, and yeah. bash it. We've done, some, we've know, done that on movies before.
1: Yeah. Or if somebody brings me like a copy of uh, David Lynch's Dune, I'll set fire to it.
0: Yeah. I, right. Exactly. So you're, uh Sidebar, you got a lot writing on this
1: next Dune film. I do. So, because
0: <laughs> you've, you've been you've been burned, well, but expectations have to be so low.
1: Yeah, expectations are low. No, no, number one, and I know there are probably fans out here who are going to hear me say this, but David Lynch is a hack. Right? He is. He's a hack. I I've watched his other films. I don't know what kind of esoteric enjoyment people get out of them, but he is and has always been a hack. He he.
0: Yeah, I mean. I didn't read Dune, but I heard enough from you guys and I've seen the film and that's David Lynch kind of getting somebody handing him the source material and him going, yeah, 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 I got this.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm going to David Lynch this. Yeah. This is what the people want and what they're going to get. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I know what to do here. Right. Right.
0: So, okay. Anyway, we're brought back in and – uh. Like you said, we, we see Hobbiton, we see Bag End.
1: And it wasn't all just CGI either. That no. Was, that was what was great about it because I had just come off of the, uh, the prequel trilogy for star Wars,
0: which was a green screen fest. Yeah,
1: it, it would, it was, it was like a cartoon, you know, yeah. especially the second movie. Yeah. It, uh, the, the second that movie is the was worst like attack
0: a, of the clones is my least favorite yeah, star it, Wars it, film it, ever.
1: Yeah. It was just like a cartoon. And I, I went in there expecting, you know, to see this, this again, because this is where I figured that, you know, Hollywood is going with this and no, they had, they had actually sat down and built these sets and built the chain mail. Uh, you got, you got to watch on the, uh, yeah, and they WC had armorers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had uh, blacksmiths, these guys that would sit and just, buy, this is all they do is cut rubber hose and make little chain mail links and super glue them for, you know, a, a year at a time. Mm-hmm. And you could tell that everybody who was involved in this, not just the money people, you know, who wanted to see their money back, but everybody who was involved all the way down, put everything into this and they all loved it. Right. Like there was no, there was nobody in that cast or crew that was ambivalent about anything.
0: Right. They were all in.
1: Yeah. They all wanted to see it and they all wanted to see it done right. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was great to see. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you could see it. Movies you can see on screen when people are, I feel when people are getting paid, I mentioned it in an earlier show where I I still maintain, I've never seen a great actor as bored as I have when I saw Harrison Harrison Ford in Return of the Jedi. I mean it. I mentioned it before, but just go watch that. And I've never seen someone... Agreed. Cash a check on screen during a film.
1: Just phoning it in. Right.
0: You know, I mean, he's handing you his paycheck for you to hand him cash. That's... But yeah, in in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I didn't see that anywhere. Everybody sold it uh, as well. You know, you take somebody like... Uh, Brad Dourif mm-hmm. as Wormtongue. Yeah, yeah.
1: Which I love seeing him in other things too. But Deadwood. When he, yeah. Deadwood. And just like, see, he's a really good actor and he, he doesn't really get the kind of uh, recognition, no. recognition that he deserves. Right. And when I saw him pop up as Wormtongue, I was like, Oh yeah. yeah. You know, they picked somebody perfect for that. Perfect. Right. You know, right. the, the casting was great. Um, you know, Sean Astin was great for Sam. He did a great job. Um, I was, you know, the, the, the the things that they had to leave out of the book uh
0: what's the number one thing they left out in your mind that in fellowship in that fellowship, you're just that, I, that that maybe didn't that didn't bother you or anything i i know but just one that you were like oh yeah this is this is just gone
1: well no, well you know it didn't bother me at all because it it they were right to do it 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 really re- lent nothing to the story. And that was the whole section with Tom Bombadil, mm-hmm. which is, you that's know, an arduous read. Yeah. Well, you know, and he's, he's something that's integral to, uh, to Tolkien's universe and diehard fans were ticked off that he was left out as, you know, he's the firstborn. He's the, he's the, the eldest. He is the first living creature that, you know, sentient creature, but, I had to agree with uh, with uh, the director that you know as as interesting as that was you have you can't have a seven hour movie. That's right. You know, and so you have to shave things out. And there was nothing in that entire it didn't advance exchange the story. that, and, yeah, it didn't advance and wouldn't pay else. off in later films. Yeah, and it it brought nothing. And it uh, it you know as interesting as it was, it's it wasn't necessary. Sure. Okay. So, so that's that's a good one. We talked.
0: We talked how Arwen's role was expanded or, or created, mm. you know, really just completely Whole written in. Yeah What, uh, what were your thoughts on that being done in, in fellowship?
1: Uh, in, in all honesty, um, well, two things, you know, I, number one, I've got this, uh, this feeling that the rest of the world looks at Americans like we're, we're, we're stupid <laughs> in particular in the movies that, you know, in, American movie, you got to have a love interest and you got to have comic relief. So we're going to find a love interest, which they came up with. And, you know, for comic relief, they took one of the characters who was, in in my opinion, one of the most badass characters, which was Gimli and C-3PO'd him you know and he's making these jokes and just being corny and just kind of being the the lame part whereas this is the guy nobody who, tosses a dwarf yeah nobody tosses a dwarf this this is the guy who is out there chopping off heads and you know it, 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 that that I didn't like were were there
0: any better warriors in the Tolkien universe in these books i mean the 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 warrior side of the dwarves was legendary
1: yeah oh yeah and you know they they were Built for it, <laughs> you yeah, know, the, yeah, and so just to see that was uh, it, it, it was rubbed you the wrong way, yeah. Um, and then when they brought Arwen into it uh, again, that was like ah, I don't need this, you know. But uh, they, what they did with it, they did well. I mean, for her introduction, um, they they replaced an elf lord named Glorfindel uh, who. He didn't have any other part in that, but he's, he's again, a big part of, uh, of Tolkien's universe. He's an elf Lord and his, his level of power is, uh, is immense, you know, enough, enough to fight a Balrog himself. And, uh, but he didn't really bring anything else to the, to the, he story was there for either. that. And that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah.
0: So it was easily replaced. Yeah. Right. Because you had, you know, you'd be soon introduced to Elrond, mm-hmm. you know, who's been around forever.
1: Yeah. And you know the there were like I said there weren't a whole lot of things that I found Mm -hmm. to complain about the movie.
0: Right, I mean there were
1: things that you know I was a little little disappointed about, but it wasn't anything that I was like ah that really ticked me off. It just you know I was like ah the only thing that I found that you know made me cringe and just twinge a little bit was the uh, was the wraith the ring wraith's voice. All right, which you know they 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 come to the uh, to the edge of the uh, river and uh, um, she taunts them across. Mm-hmm. Give us that, you know the, mm-hmm. this uh, and that was actually Peter, Peter Jackson who used the voice, and it was literally the voice that I had used when I was like six years old. <laughs> Or sixth, sixth grade, you mm-hmm. know, twelve years old to uh, to impersonate a somebody. scary voice. Yeah, a scary voice. So sixth,
0: like, sixth grade, scary voice. Yeah, I
1: was like, you guys, you, you could have put some effort into that because you know that kind of just kicked everything a little bit, and I was like, eh. mm-hmm. but uh, that 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 was about the only thing that I could actually cause to complain about. Really, the, uh, the 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 replacement of uh, of Gimli. And uh, R1 was something that you know I didn't enjoy, but it wasn't something I could
0: complete no deal about. breaker no not at all and if i I don't remember originally who was cast, but I think they talk about it I, did they talk about it in the extended edition that you watched just recently that Vigo Mortensen wasn't wasn't cast as Aragorn until a week or so before filming because they had another uh, actor in mind.
1: Oh no, I did not. Yeah. I don't
0: that. know if they, they touched upon it in there, but um,
1: everybody was so happy with Vigo. Yeah. You know, Cause I mean, he's gotten so much, you know, uh, and before that he had been in a couple other movies, but it was just in supporting roles and just small things. Um, he played the, he played a pretty good devil in uh, prophecy. I don't know if you, if you saw. Yeah. Well,
0: was. and he, he's good in just about everything.
1: Yeah. Eastern promises. Eastern promises was great. Yeah. Um, but no, I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd have to look it up, but yeah, I'm pretty, um, pretty sure that that's how it went down with with him. Um, one of the cool stories I remember about it, and they do talk about it in, in one of the extended editions extras, the behind the scenes in it, I think it would have been in this one was that the, uh, stunt writer for Arwen that Vigo Mortensen bought that horse and gave it to her off after the, after the filming had wrapped because she loved that horse, but the studio, you know, had the rights to it and and he bought the horse and gave it to her.
1: So I I hear stories about him that that's the kind of thing that he would do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. His, his character was just uh, the way he played Aragorn is one of those. You don't see anybody else being able to do.
1: No, no. No, they got the just like everybody in there they got the they got the right person for it
0: yep and uh um
1: and as they as they progressed further through um with the uh with with the story uh they they did everything well you know they they uh with the trying to cross the uh the mountain range and uh ending up having to turn and go back back through the mine i can't
0: i can't remember was it in the book did Sauron? do that in the book? No. Okay. I didn't No,
1: Not so much. It was just, uh, it was, it was too just tough mountain Caradhras, which was, uh, just had a, uh, you know, a bad reputation as something to try and try and cross. Yeah.
0: But again, a film thing. Yeah. Yeah. It makes so worked. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the other characters, we had Orlando bloom as Legolas mm-hmm.
1: thoughts. Uh, I like Orlando bloom. I've, I've seen him in uh, a bunch of other stuff and he's done well. Um, I, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, couldn't really find anything negative about that, except for something that's, that happened later on. And oh, I know exactly movies. what you're yeah, talking you, about. You know where I'm going with it. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I, we don't. We don't even need to talk about it. Well, it'll come, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it'll come up. Yeah,
0: uh, it'll come up. So uh, the rest of the fellowship, we had uh, Billy Boyd.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mary and Pippin, uh, they did a really good job on that. Yeah, that was great. And uh, those two guys played the characters correctly. Uh, yeah, you had Mary, who was the you know kind of the more happy but the uh, smarter one, and then you had Pippin, that was kind of the uh, the uh, the guy who'd screw everything up,
0: right? Fool of a toque, I remember. Yep.
1: Uh, so, and it was good that they would keep exact lines out of the out of the book too. There were really important things to to a fan. You know, sure. That, yeah, somebody exactly. Yeah. That's what you're looking you appreciate those little things. Yeah.
0: You know, cuz it's got Tolkien all over it, that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, there's there's a couple of books that I can I can almost recite by heart, you know. I in you know, The Godfather's one of them and mm-hmm. uh Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, The Hobbit in particular. And uh, to 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 hear somebody say what I need them to say at the right time is really gratifying. Right.
0: You're kind of waiting for it. Everybody else might just take it as a passing line of dialogue. Mhm. But yeah, yeah and, I know exactly what you're talking about.
1: And I I enjoy it all the more because, you know, then you can discuss it with them and you pull them into this and, you know, ha, really have something to share with them. Sure.
0: And then we have Dominic Monaghan as Mary. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you know, those two play really well off each other. Yeah. Um, and, and really are integral to the part of the story. That's one of the things I like is each of the fellowship has something to offer. Yeah. It, it's not just there's seven of us so that four of them can die.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah there's no the f- red shirts. Yeah, exactly.
0: Everybody ha- gets, gets their moment in there. Um, and then we have Boromir.
1: Oh, Sean, Sean, uh, Bean. yeah, he, he was fantastic. He did great on that. And yep. he made, uh, you know, Boromir in the books was, uh, um, the, he, he wasn't as developed. I thought as, uh, as, uh, how, how he played them and he he did a really good job of making him making him sympathetic but still also seeing you know that that weaker side of him that is drawing getting, being drawn more towards the 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 stretch for power that you can have for the for the defense the influence home. yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm.
1: and he did a great job and his uh, and if there's only one thing that i can complain about the extended edition is i thought his death scene was better in the th- theatrical release what was the difference? it uh this one stretched it out a little bit longer and uh it actually cut a couple of uh a couple of uh um camera shots okay that i thought i just thought he went out i just thought he went out harder in the in the in the theatrical version yeah and i think
0: one. i remember that you know cuz the film does a really good job of m- making him that guy yeah You know, oh, here we go. You got to watch him. Oh, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen, especially to somebody who, you know, didn't read the book. I I saw this coming. He's, you know, he's going to take the ring. He's Mm going to. And then, you know, having that slow motion hero moment Mm -hmm. when he's running in there.
1: Yeah. Where he he knows he's going to take it. Yeah. You know, and he he looks up and he sees that he's going to take it and just starts swinging anyway. Yeah. That was great.
0: Yeah. That was really good. Again, I don't know if they. They touched on it in any of the because um, it's been a while since I've I've seen the uh, behind the scenes and the making of, but in that scene where, um, uh, the, where that fight happens, there's a scene where um, Aragorn jumps off on top of a couple of Urukai. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that, he actually broke two teeth. Jumping off of that and and had to have emergency dental surgery,
1: he damaged himself a couple of times on that movie.
0: Yep, so uh, again, just speaking to the level of commitment that everybody uh put into this Mm -hmm. because if if you look and you mentioned it about the sets and and you know only using the CGI when it had to because there aren't too many cave trolls walking around, yeah, well, there's a few, (laughs) but but we're gonna keep names out of this, right? right. So You see things like that and obviously, um, there's, there's a time and place for it. Mm -hmm. And I think they did really well because I mean, even.
1: And, and not only that, but they, they did it well. You know, there's, Mm -hmm. there's been other CGI that I've seen that has been really poorly done. Prequels. Uh, Star Wars prequels. I I wasn't, I wasn't even really thinking that because, you know, I've seen, I've seen CGI that has been in TV shows that has been better than some of the stuff that I've seen in movies. And I got to sit here and wonder, you know, who's, you know, what producer is on here and who are they hiring? You know, is this nepotism? They hired somebody's nephew who owns this CGI company.
0: Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing. CGI should be getting better. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you a movie and even Lord of the Rings, if you watch it now, it's CGI in places falls apart. Mm. Some of it, the movie that I first had a huge experience with CGI in that still holds up. Yep. Jurassic Park. Yep. Yep. It, it's amazing how that still holds up, and it was to me the the best use of CGI ever because it was kind of my first real introduction to it. Yeah, because you went you went from stop motion animation, you know, which if Jurassic Park was made ten years before that, mm. you're getting the Harryhausen style uh, stop motion. Um, nothing wrong with it
1: but it still complete completely pulls you out of the moment. It
0: does. If you've ever seen any of the old Sinbad movies yeah. or anything like that or Clash of the Titans yeah. from oh, 1980. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, one I loved, but at the same time and you go watch it now and it's like, boy, that looks fake.
1: Yeah, and CGI leading up to that was just it was small things. Sure. You know, they didn't they they didn't have, you know, a CGI of this massive creature mm-hmm. yeah. so yeah seeing that and yeah i think i saw that like five times because i i kept taking people i was like you got to come see yeah I, I did the yeah. same thing yeah
0: i did the same thing and one of the things that and it's a little thing that really sticks out in my mind with that use of cgi is uh the brachiosaurs the first dinosaurs that you really see when sam neill and Le- laura Dern. he turns her head mm-hmm. she's talking about a plant and he turns her head and then they both kind of stand up in the jeep That brachiosaurus eating, standing up, Mm -hmm. eating off the top of this tree, and then kind of comes down on all fours, and the way the skin shakes, yeah, and there's weight to the dinosaur. Yeah,
1: they did. It it was was like perfect.
0: This is I'm this is a real dinosaur. Yeah, I'm seeing it, and that's that's a big part of, especially when it came out, Lord of the Rings. You know that type of stuff. The the scene with the cave troll. Mm
1: -hmm. It was fantastic.
0: Is really well done. Mm -hmm. Um.
1: Just that yeah. whole, and that whole fight scene was well executed. Oh. It was, it was, it was well choreographed. It wasn't,
0: uh, yeah, because everybody had something to do yeah. in there. It wasn't just, you know, four of them went and hid, it, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was so, um, fellowship. I think we both agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about it best of the, the movies. Yeah. I mean, as far as it, true to the spirit of the books.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And they did a, and they did, and something we hadn't talked about was they did a particularly good, good job with uh, just the small bit that you saw of Gollum. Sure. Tra- tracing him through Moria. Yep. Which was, you know, great. I was, I was expecting Gollum to be a, uh, just a, a dumpster fire. You know, I thought it'd be some kind of CGI mess that they couldn't get right. And I was like, wow, that was really, you know, that he, was cool. Yeah. Andy
0: Serkis's portrayal of him. Mm-hmm brought him to life yeah, and you, and the the CGI the way they did the motion capture amazing
1: yeah and you just you didn't you just saw bits of him you know and then like you know hiding and he, the fingers over with the eyes through the thing where yep. he's watching them that was great
0: yeah well done so we get into it's a couple years later and we get the, the two towers
1: mm.
0: now I'm if my memory serves this is your least favorite yeah of the films yeah Okay, so um, again, the books the books handle things a little bit differently. The way Tolkien writes isn't necessary; it's more linear. Is that a fair thing to say? To where it doesn't it doesn't do it, it from my, what I remember jumping back and forth between things. It, it seemed like I remember it taking, you know, telling a long part of the story, and then going back and telling something that's happening at the same time, but not like interspersing it with something else. Am I yeah. thinking right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're novelists. Like, you know, somebody who's a novelist full time is probably going to go ahead and and maybe not use the word meanwhile, but at the same time able to go ahead and tell the story from two different um, chapters. Exactly. Yeah. Where Tolkien's going to go ahead and, and tell this entire story and then got to go back and tell you what's happening with this other these other characters during that same time. Yeah. OK. So anyway. So the reason I bring that up is because the movies end, Two Towers and Return of the King kind of. The way the movie ends, the two towers, is differently.
1: Not not so much from the book. No, I mean it, that that was kind of what my main you know I had I had a couple of real uh, problems with it. Um, as a matter of fact, I had a lot of real problems. Oh, I remember with because yeah, that that was my favorite book of the two mm-hmm. of the three.
0: And when yeah. somebody goes ahead and and,
1: and butchers your baby, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was you know that was I I really enjoy the uh, the the storylines where everything kind of goes to hell. I sure. mean, uh, if you, if you read against
0: in the, uh, the, the overwhelming odds.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, if you read, uh, the, uh, song of ice and fire, the game of thrones books, uh, the book three storm storm of swords, it's like everything all of a sudden just uh, as in a series where everything's usually going to hell anyway, everything just kind of completely, you know, disintegrates and explodes in that, in that book. And it was just wonderful the way he brought it off because I, uh, you know, I'm thinking in particular of the red wedding, which everybody's sure. familiar with now, but leading up to that, he was such a good writer on that, that, you know, you, you felt something building, but you couldn't, you know, you I, never saw that coming. No. And you know, usually I can see things a mile off of what, you know, when somebody's foreshadowing and he just was building this up and I had no clue what was coming. And when it got to that point and I turned that page and read and what, uh, in the book, what happened was, uh, um, Caitlin was sitting beside, uh, Bruce Bolton and touched his arm and felt and felt, uh, and felt uh, armor. And that's what arm. you see
0: yeah. in the show
1: and everything just from there, just, yep. and just she,
0: she knows it immediately.
1: Yeah. And it was like, Oh my God. And I, I, I actually, I read a couple pages and I stood up and walked away because I just couldn't believe what I just read.
0: And you yeah, know. it, I, I believe that.
1: And, uh, you know, the, uh, the the two towers had a great story and it had a great, it had a couple of great storylines in there. And I, I know what you're talking about with the way the linear progression wouldn't work as well. Um, maybe uh, in the movie, but they didn't have to change things. They, mm-hmm. they changed things around and still got to the exact same point as they would have if they had just left it alone and kept going.
0: So is this Peter Jackson being, I'm going to do things this, because I know better.
1: This was this was screenwriters and Peter Jackson putting their mark on something is what I felt it was that didn't need to have their mark on didn't need didn't need to have it which they had they had completely kept themselves from doing during fellowship. You know, they, everything was completely true to the, and, you know, I, and as, as much as, as much as Christopher Lee is a, a fan and, you know, even he, he was, he was being pretty disingenuous when he said he, he was talking about, well, we kept completely to the book. I was like, no dude, you didn't. I was like, I know you're, I know you want to talk up the, talk up the, the show, but um, you did not. um But it, uh, it, they did have to tie tie in a couple things, but uh, they didn't have to change. Some of the characters, and it was again one of those things where they they changed the nature of the characters when they didn't have to. Example, example, uh, Treebeard. Okay, okay. Another good example, in particular, one that uh, my friend Josh and I were f- actually furious about was Boromir's brother Faramir. Okay, who is in the books a much more admirable man, a much more heroic man, a much more uh, just, uh, just really not what they portrayed him as the in the uh, in the, the movie.
0: In the movie, he's he's, he's portrayed whiny. as the whiny lesser son.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, it was like, oh, you, you didn't have to do that. You you could have kept him as as what he was, and it, you brought nothing to the table by changing him. You know, you gained nothing. There was, you know, there were, there were no whiny little brothers who were watching that and now feel connected to the movie or something like that. You didn't need to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, The, the relationship between him and his father was, was still the same, even though he was this, you know, so much of a greater man than this. In fact, that kind of made it a little bit worse for his father, because I think secretly his father recognized that he was a greater man but they they didn't need to change that but they did.
0: Okay, and Treebeard was one of the ants, yeah. one of the the massive living mm-hmm. uh, sentient trees.
1: Mm-hmm. What was his his uh the thing that uh that irked me was he was completely uninterested in getting involved until uh like towards the end where he This was, is the was, movie or the yeah, book? The movie the movie. Mm-hmm. He's he's wa- walking along and seeing. Now,
0: let's go ahead for people that may not remember, it's been a while or hasn't haven't seen the movies. The ants, what, what they're ancient
1: mm-hmm.
0: and what is their, their protectors
1: of the trees. Okay. They are, um, the, the elves called called them the firstborn. They were the, the oldest of, uh, the creatures besides Tom Bombadil oldest of the sentient creatures. The, the elves actually taught them to speak, uh, taught them their first words. And, um, it was a, they were a really interesting creature because there was no other book that I had ever read that had this kind of uh, creature in it, mm-hmm. you know? So it was, it was something really original that, uh, that as far as I know that uh, Tolkien came up with and their culture and the way they think and the way they move and the way they talk and everything like that. And just the power of them, um, the, the power and the strength that you'd find in an Oak. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was just really impressive. And uh, like I said, they, they, although they weren't necessarily uh, as concerned about what goes on in the world of men and elves uh, enough for, for them to get involved because they're, they're trees. And they think in terms of millennia rather than years uh, at the same time uh, they, they did have considerations and, uh, they, they had had a problem with what Saruman had been doing for a while. they had been seeing things because they are, you know, guardians of the trees, guardians of the forest, and they had been seeing the things that he had been doing in in, in, Isengard. The, bo- in the book in Isengard and, you know, becoming more suspicious because, you know, Saruman used to be Saruman Saruman, uh, the white and, uh, they knew him Fangorn, uh, tree beard knew him and would Would take counsel with him in the books and things like that.
0: So they knew something was up.
1: Yeah. And they, they saw, you know, these, these orcs and things coming through there. And, and so they, they understood that something was happening and it was in the, in the movie or in the books, the, the, the arrival of Pippin and Mary into their situation. Right.
0: Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. so Mary and Pippin were taken.
1: Yeah and they end up in in you know lost in the in the forest and Fangorn finds them or Treebeard that's that's his name but Treebeard finds him.
0: in Fangorn Forest yeah. where people are afraid to go yeah
1: and uh and he hasn't seen these type of people before he hasn't seen hobbits before at least not for a very long time to the point where he's you know asking them if they had seen any ent wives where they come from, because they had lost their wives years and, you know, millennia ago and they hadn't seen any since then. And, uh, when they explain to him what's going on and tell him, you know, why they're there and, you know, what kind of murder is going on and things like that. It's at that point that he makes the decision that all although we haven't been involved, we're going to get together and, you know, make the decision to get involved. And from there, it's, it's, it's just the, it's really well written and it's more enjoyable the way he did it. Whereas, um, I I don't know why, maybe just for the the visual, um, they have, uh, in the movie, they have him marching off to take them to safety and he's not really caring about anything that's going on. "Ah, Yeah. Humans are killing each other. You'll have that Mm -hmm. until he gets to, you know, the forest that's been chopped down. And now now all of a sudden he's, he's all in and which to me made him kind of a lesser person or lesser creature because it, it showed me, it, it showed him to be somebody who only cares when, you know, it affects him. Right. You know, which wasn't what he was. Yeah. And to me is kind of a, the mark of a lesser person. Right. You know, it, it's so he was pretty,
0: truncated down to a plot device. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, I didn't, I, there was so much to, you know, I've seen uh, fellowship of the rings. I don't know how many times uh, return of the King. I was actually working as a manager in the movie theater uh, when that came out. And I've seen that so many times that I knew what times to come in to check on the theater to see the favorite scenes that I wanted. I knew, you know, down to the minute. Yeah. Um, But uh, the second movie, I've only watched once. I saw it once in the theater. Mm -hmm. Um, You and I actually went to the opening.
0: Yeah. Trilogy Tuesday.
1: Yeah. Which was they, they were opening, you know, it was the opening of Return of the King. But before that, they were going to run the first two extended editions of Lord of the Rings, you know, the Fellowship of the Rings and the Two Towers. Timing it
0: with The Return of the King coming out at midnight.
1: midnight yeah, mm-hmm. and it was great. And we yeah, got we took, and, took the days off. Oh, yeah. And, there you know, there was a guy with his daughter who was beside us, and they had driven down all the way from, or where was it, Wisconsin yeah. or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was so exciting. It was awesome. And... Watched the the fellowship of the ring and Lord of the, or, you know, two towers stopped and started. And I, I got up and went and found something else to do. I went and got something to eat and, you know, puttered around outside and went and talked to a couple of the people because I was uh, talking to them about a manager job there at that time.
0: Mm-hmm. The, the, where, where did it really just kick you right in the boys, the two towers, how far in,
1: it it's hard to remember because like i said i've only seen it once.
0: Okay, well let's go to Helms Deep because i know there's a few spots there.
1: Helms Deep was uh oh man.
0: Yep. i'm gonna i'm yeah, gonna bring gonna something bring, back.
1: you know the again the, the stupid american that needs this kind of plot device and you know this kind of entertainment. It's uh and, and of course return of the king had the same thing with with the uh with the the uh this is yeah, hard elephants. for you to talk about. It's, it? it's ridiculous is what it is. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's cartoonish.
0: So in, I'm going to bring up, cause I know the parts, uh, that, that get to you. Mm-hmm. And we have, we have the part at Helm's Deep where there's a big battle.
1: They're surrounded.
0: They're, They're surrounded. Yeah. Yep. And the Helm's Deep is an impenetrable. Defense point.
1: Yes. With Uh, only one entrance and exit point.
0: And it's never fallen in Mm -hmm. however many years. I don't remember, but Mm -hmm. it's never been breached. That's right. So now you've got the, uh, the fellowship is, is there with the people of Rohan. And.
1: And at this point it's just Aragorn and, uh, Legolas and Gimli. That's correct. And, oh, and no. And uh, what had happened was uh, uh, Gandalf had ridden off for help somewhere else.
0: Right. Yep. And um, Sam and Frodo were on their way mm-hmm. to destroy the the ring
1: mm-hmm. on yeah. a
0: different uh, a different path. And Merry and Pippin were uh, in Fangorn. Tree yep. Yeah, Treebeard. Yeah. So they're surrounded. This is the proverbial things are going to hell.
1: Yeah. You know, which in which you know in theory I enjoy because you know sure. they're, they're surrounded they're completely outnumbered there's no hope uh, I I enjoy nothing better than you know an, an episode like that sure and uh, <sighs> and it, what Andy wants me to talk about here is this ridiculous scene <laughs> of Legolas surfing down a set of stairs on a shield while he while he you know shoots slinging out arrows there, slinging arrows left and right like some kind of God damn ninja it was it was ridiculous, and it was it was an affront and oh. it was an insult, oh, and it was like it was like they you know, they were like we gotta do something to get this for the people. kids, yeah, we gotta get something here that'll you know bring these kids in, or at least the people who are too stupid to recognize the difference,
0: so we have that, but even before we had that, oh, who yeah. shows up at Helms Deep to help the people of Rohan?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm stumped. You're gonna
0: kick yourself. the elves
1: oh right <laughs> right You know the whole the whole point the whole point of uh, of the entirety of the the ring and the whole storyline has been that the elves are leaving middle Earth they have, now the elves are immortal. the elves are immortal and they are leaving to a different uh, continent where only they are allowed and certain others and they're the whole thing is that this is not their fight anymore they're done which is why you know you don't have an army of elves which are you know clearly clearly you know more able to uh fight orcs or whatever have you are much wiser and have much more experience and you know the the whole point was they're they're done, they don't have anything to do with this. This is a war between men. You have screwed this up by uh letting your uh, Isildur keep the ring. You know, and so this is your problem. So somehow, uh I, I don't know what did he send? Was it was it Arwen? I don't remember who who marched a bunch of elves in to fight alongside. It was a uh, made up. Was uh, it g- character? It was um, somebody's brother.
0: Yeah. He wasn't in the books. The I'd say the blonde haired elf, but that was almost <laughs> all of them. Um, Very Nordic. Right. And he dies at Helm's deep, uh-huh. you know, um,
1: I, I you see. It joined. was just, it was one thing after another with that movie. You know, it's just like, you know, they, they, they got my hopes up with the first one because they did so well. And I came out of that, you know, just excited. Finally. Yeah. It was like, they got it Right. And they, these are the right people, and they've got the right funding, and they've got the right plot, and they've, they've got the right, right done writer. This is going to be great, and you know the next movie is the best of the three, and I'm going to love it. And, and I, I love everybody. In, yeah. <laughs> and I walked in there and just, but, and it was a classic one of those ones where I'm checking my watch. And,
0: Remember uh, to drink your Ovaltine. Oval <laughs> That's what you got. That's what you I got, got? Ralphie. <laughs> a crummy commercial. <laughs> <Son of laughs> a bitch. So, so pulled it, it brought you oh, in. I and didn't then even bait remember that. You. Oh man, you yeah. killed
1: me with that. Yeah. yeah, you
0: hated that. I remember that. And Josh did too. Absolutely hated that fact. Now, oh. to where the people that never read the books,
1: oh yeah, yeah, the elves. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're there. Yeah, why not the dwarves too? You yeah. can get to drag them out of the holes. Yeah, why not? So so now we've got uh, that Gandalf comes, uh, saves the day, Mm -hmm. and now we've got Return of the King. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Now, oh, let me me go ahead and further rain on your parade. Uh, Since you won't watch it, the special edition of The Two Towers Mm -hmm. talks about how uh, they actually wrote – Arwen into the battle of Helm's Deep she was going to be there. Oh really? Fighting alongside Aragorn in there and there was something uh I think the fans some somehow it'd be worth it you watching that that part the the behind the scenes on that because mm-hmm. they tell about it in
1: there how there was backlash maybe. Oh you know what would have been great. I mean they could have had her in there fighting and she could have used a glaive. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Why not throw one of those in there too? That would have been so awesome. That
0: would have been, that would have been, you would have lost your mind. Cause I remember how much it bothered you guys with that, with just those, those things. So we've got return of the King now, which now your, your expectations for things have, have been brought back to earth.
1: Way down below the belt, just right. completely wasted. Right. And just walking into it thinking, oh, this is going to be a show
0: but you, you you have to see how you have to see how the train wreck ends, yeah I mean you you, you know if nothing else to just hate I, it
1: oh i'm I'm invested now, so right. you know if one one or two things is going to happen either I'm going to go in and enjoy it or I'm going to go in and enjoy destroying it,
0: sure okay yeah. so but expectations uh, tempered mm mm-hmm. so again, return of the king, we have it, and we did see it on this so-called trilogy Tuesday where they played all three mm-hmm back to back to back, which was a
1: a really cool experience. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Great theater. Really, really brought it up and they, they, they ordered everybody pizza. Do you remember that? They brought uh, in like, you know, a couple dozen pizzas for everybody. The,
0: the entire day, those tickets were 25 bucks. Yeah. And we got all three of those films and, you know, pizza Mm -hmm. in between
1: the, the movies. You want, you want to, you want to know a secret about that? Yeah. The, the general manager hated it. (laughs) He hated it. He thought it was complete waste of space and time at, that they lost money off of it. And he couldn't stand it, but it came up from corporate. Really?
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
1: Our, our manager there was, uh, was pretty great. Uh, he was, uh, I, I loved him. I, I thought he was hilarious. He, he was one of the few people that I have ever met that will look you in the eye and say what he thinks. And it doesn't matter what you want to hear. He's got to say it. <laughs> awesome. And to the point where, you know, Josh hates him. You know, Josh talked to him on the phone and just hates the guy. So customer service, not his thing. No, no. When cu- customers would come in and they'd be like, I want to talk to the manager. And I I was, you know, I'm, I'm an assistant manager. Can I help you please? No, I want to talk to you the You don't manager. want to talk to this no, guy. No, no. Let me, let me help you, please, please. And you know, I can, I can tell you a bunch of stories, but they are really not family appropriate for the kind of things that he would say to people. <laughs> I mean, it was that bad, man. So he uh, – now, it was him that hated this trilogy mm-hmm. today? Yeah.
0: Tuesday? Okay. Yep. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't expect to go to the movies and get things for free. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now, granted, we paid $25, <laughs> but even back when those films came out, um, for the theater to bring in food and give it to you, mm-hmm. along with three films for $25, I'd never seen it since or Uh, before or since.
1: No, but it's, but it was an experience, which I, you know, I argued with uh, me and uh, uh, his name's Rob Warrens. And I think he's a great guy. He and I argued about it all the time. I I thought, you know, just the experience, the fact that you remember it to this day. Oh, absolutely. And there were kids in the theater that will remember it when they're 40. Right. You know, I thought that alone was worth it, you know, but, uh,
0: well, and I still have, do you remember they gave out the film cells mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at, at the end? So that, that was cool too. So well worth the time. Uh, taking work off and and spending the day watching that. I distinctly remember my now wife telling me, I don't know how you can how you can sit on your ass and watch three three and a half hour movies <laughs> and I I don't know who she'd been in a relationship <laughs> with
1: I'm up sorry. to I'm, that point because I'm Andy Roode. I, <laughs> I thought we've met. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. I mean this is this is nothing. I mean you know, people talk about binge watching These days, they're getting to it because Netflix is out?
1: Get out of my way. No, no, we've been doing this for for decades. I don't know what you're talking about. Right,
0: yeah, get out of here. So, uh, Return of the King comes out, expectations lowered, and um, the backstory they did of, of Gollum Mm -hmm. and um Smeagol well done okay so we're good we're good so far because that's how it starts with with the backstory and shows you how uh Gollum came about and uh was really one of the high points for me of the two towers Mm -hmm. probably for you too
1: yeah the the yeah the that that stretch of the Mm storyline that was just uh uh, Sam and Frodo and Gollum that was well done Mm -hmm. the uh the meeting with Shalob. And Mm -hmm. all that, that, that was well done. So their,
0: their arc through that movie, which was was, not
1: much, but it was, you know, it was good.
0: Right. Okay. So we've got, uh, we're here and if memory serves going back to the books, Tolkien didn't want when, when it was getting split up into three books, the third one was originally going to be called the war of the ring. Is -hmm. that true? From what I remember reading, because he felt that return of the King gave away the end of the book.
1: You know, I don't recall. I believe it was. It probably, it probably was because he was a stickler for things like that, right?
0: And I, I believe if, if if you look it up, you'll you'll see that he hated that because he didn't want it broken into three books to begin with. But no. it happened, and the publishers actually named the books. So no, I didn't know yeah, that. so I don't know if maybe there were chapters called the Fellowship of the Ring and things like that. But um, yeah, the the
1: that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have approved of that,
0: right? So so Return of the King. Uh, we have this and we followed um Aragorn, his his story from, you know, when he was known as Strider and mm. the uh, uh a ranger in fellowship, and then you're introduced and, and, and find yeah. out through the course of the next two movies who he really is yes. and and why he's done what he's done. So at this point we've got Frodo and Sam still trekking towards Mount Doom with Gollum. Mm. And um we have the fellowship having survived Helm's uh, Helm's deep somewhere along the way that we forgot to mention was the fact that, that, uh, uh Gandalf, the gray had ceased to exist mm-hmm. and became Gandalf, the white at the beginning of the two towers,
1: you know, something that they did in the books that they didn't quite do well in the, in the movie, but it, it didn't really make that much difference, especially at that point with that movie. But, uh, the, the thing was that, you know, Gandalf had, had died. And he had been sent back. And they, they never really get into the, uh, the, which, you know, of course, why would they? There's there's so much of it. They're, they're, they don't get into the lore in the Lord of the Rings. But um, Gandalf is what, basically what we would consider to be a, a lower angel. Okay. Uh, he, him, uh, the Balrog, is also uh, a lower, he's a, a turned angel. He's a demon. Sauron was a, uh, uh, was not the main devil, Uh, that was Morgoth Sauron was one of his, uh, was originally somebody on Gandalf's level that had fallen and began serving him. So he was, he was sent back basically to, to refill. And he didn't really, when he came back, he really didn't grasp who he was yet. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and I remember when the, in the books, when you, when it's, uh, Legolas and, uh, Aragorn and Gimli and they, they find him in, in the, in the woods and they're excited. And they're just, Gandalf. And he says, yes, Gandalf. Yeah. I, I remember that. name." Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it didn't really, it wouldn't have added anything to the book or to the movie, I guess, especially at that point. But uh, yeah, they just did they never went into it.
0: Right. It, it kind of was more visually done in, in a, in a quick segment of him fighting the Balrog. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Quote unquote was, dying, well, yeah. Which was nice because they didn't go into that in the book. I enjoyed them actually, you know, showing what happened. Showing. I mean, yeah, he he talked about it a little bit, um, you know, about how they how they fought, and you know, uh, it was just a short. I bit
0: smote my,
1: <laughs> I smote him in his ruin against yep. the mountain. Yep, it was wonderful. Yeah,
0: that, I did enjoy that. Um, so now we've got we've got the table set for the probably at the time the biggest battle on film.
1: Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, I mean, you know, battles uh, at that point, you know, you hadn't had many CGI battles or anything. Right. Like that.
0: And, and there was an actual, um, computer program designed for that fight yeah, to go ahead and, and make the CGI soldiers react to what another CGI, soldier was doing. Yeah. And I forget that Epic may have been the name of, of what it was, the algorithm and the, the program so mm-hmm. that you, they didn't have to individually animate 20,000 or 200,000. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And, and so you don't see a lot of repeated action or anything exactly. like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you had seen some battles that, you know, sometimes they had done a really good job on like uh, Braveheart. Sure. Uh, you know, those, those battles were Really well done. I mean, they they weren't historically accurate at all, but they were really well done. Cinema wise, yeah, they were it was fantastic. Um, but I hadn't seen anything anything like that since or before that.
0: Right. Know? I think the one that 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 sets in my mind that that wasn't near that scale, but still huge, but probably just as good. The Battle of the Bastards. <laughs> oh in, yeah. In uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. That was well done. I remember reading books about in, in wars where you have these, these massive, um, confrontations that the piles of bodies would actually alter the landscape
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: of the battle.
1: Yeah. Stacking and, bodies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. You know,
0: people falling upon people, people and in people getting trapped and crushed beneath, mm-hmm. you know, dead bodies.
1: Yeah. And that was, that was one of the main reasons, uh, well, not one of the main reasons, but it was one of the reasons that, uh, you know, uh, your terrain was so important. Because, you know, if you chose the bat, if you were able to be the one to choose the battlefield, like, you know, you set up your army and wait for them to come to you and they're coming across grass and mud and you know what that grass and mud is about to become. And you have the whole, you have the higher ground and they have to fight uphill and they're going to be stepping on their own people and stepping on their own intestines and blood and what have you. And it's just going to go badly for them. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. So, um, Return, return of the king how do you feel about it in relation to the book? I mean we talked about fellowship and we talked about the two towers
1: it's it's it it, it stayed pretty pretty close to the book I mean uh it uh, um and, and your thoughts of it. I loved it. I, okay. I thought, I thought the third movie was great. I mean, okay. So redemption. Yeah. Redemption. Okay. I mean, everything that they, that they didn't include that might've been in the book would, you know, didn't really bring much to the table. Um, like I said, didn't, uh, didn't enjoy, uh, certain things. I don't remember if fair was, you know, wounded in that one or if he was wounded in the mm-hmm. third one. Um, but uh, I didn't enjoy that. Um, the, the actual, in the book, You know, that, that lead up and to the, to, to that point isn't like only like two thirds of the book. The last third of it is them returning home, which was really unfortunate that they didn't do because it's, it's a really good part of the story. It was, and and it really was uh, kind of uh, explained for, for Tolkien, the reason why that the hobbits were involved so that they would go home and be able to live their own lives. Yeah. But, you know, that's okay. It was, you know, it was, it, they, you can't, exp, you know, include everything.
0: Right. And it, it ended up having like three endings. Yeah. 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 I remember that.
1: And, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was, uh, I'm struggling to find anything that I really didn't like. I, one of the things that I loved about the book, uh, you know, it, it and this is just something, uh, which is, you know, probably just perverse about my character about one of my favorite things in a movie is the hero dying as he wins. You know, like uh have you seen Man on Fire? Oh yeah. Yeah, I I yep. love that.
0: Yeah, I and it's a re- that. uh, that's a redemption story.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love that. I love, you know, just embracing death and going head on and not caring, mm-hmm. you know, as long as you know, you're going to win. It doesn't matter how you're going to go out now. And, uh, in, in the book and they did it, they did it a pretty good job when Rohan comes, finally arrives, finally Rohan has arrived and, you know, things are looking bad for minus two minus Tirith and the horn blows mm-hmm. and they come up over the hill. They were here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they, and you know, they, they, he gives the speech, and, uh, and, uh, leads his, leads the troops in and they, they go in and they start fighting. And, uh, one of my favorite parts was e- even after that, you know, you're still not on an evil, on an even footing. You know, you've, you've got a, a swinging chance now, but, uh, you, you know, you're still up really up against it and the witch King comes down Yep. and Eowyn slays the witch King. Okay. But she takes the wound herself and she goes down, uh, at this point she's down her uncle is down uh, and the brother finds them and realizes that, you know, here is his entire family. And he, he, you know, what devilry is this to find you here? And this is, you know, they didn't really go into it in the book, but they, they did use the chant for it because he lost it at that point. And he, you know, brought everyone together and he was like, ride Ride to ruin and the world's ending. Death. Mm-hmm. Death And, and you know, in the they, movie yeah, it's his movie, uncle giving Yeah, it that. it's his uncle giving that speech. Death yep. and the whole tribe chants mm-hmm. out Death Then mm-hmm. they you know, they all start rolling in and attacking those uh uh what were they called? Mumical, the
0: uh Oh uh, the uh the the Haradrin, what uh, that, yeah. that had the
1: the mammoths. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which was you know they did a really good job on those oh, too. Yeah. yeah, they did that they did that really well because I I had been reading the books and wondering how they were going to pull that. Now off. let's
0: not forget that uh, Legolas m- makes an appearance back to his sure footedness by skating down the trunk of one of those.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, well that happened.
1: It didn't happen. I didn't see it.
0: I'll send you the video. It didn't
1: happen. Yeah. Neither did that yeah. uh, Indiana Jones movie you say happened. It didn't happen.
0: I don't, I don't acknowledge that as well. <laughs> But yeah, yeah I, I believe he, you remember the part. You yeah, remember the part where Gimli says that still only counts as one.
1: Yeah, and yeah, this is another one where Josh and I just looked at each other like, yeah. And you know, I just you know, Gimli being the uh, the uh, comic relief for it, and yeah, surfing down the the, uh, the trunk. Yep. And you know, I, I suppose that that appeals to some people. It just it, for me, it was like, ah.
0: yeah, that's. Before Marvel movies, that was a Marvel movie, move, <laughs> yeah. which would have worked in a Marvel yeah. movie. It's kind of Im- immersion breaking in in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we we had that uh, the um what was it the Army of the Dead.
1: Mm-hmm. Done well. Yeah, I thought it was done, uh, done as well as they could have. Yeah. Um. The, uh, uh, in the book, the Army of the Dead just helped him uh, take over a certain other part. Of the, uh, they didn't actually show up at the battle. They they took over another part, and uh, that was like kind of an off-screen moment in the book. But uh, I I thought it came off well. I mean, it was kind of a Deus Ex Machina, but uh, Deus Ex Machina—I don't know how to pronounce it. Mm -hmm. But you know, it it was still well done. I enjoyed it. Okay, there there was literally nothing I could complain about for Return of the King except for the uh, the Legolas surfing bit. Yeah. yeah and they did everything pretty well um they did the they did the gollum and frodo and the ring really well
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that was that was well done um i I remember reading that when I was a kid and just not believing that frodo was gonna you know get to that point and be like nah. Nah, this is mine.
0: We, we've yeah, we've spent the whole time getting here. There's no way.
1: Yeah, I you know it finally it finally overwhelmed him.
0: Right, which they talk about how it would.
1: Yeah, yeah it, it'll it'll overwhelm it'll overwhelm any mortal eventually. Right. And it was just so impressive that it had taken that long for a hobbit because they're just
0: they don't care about any of the. Yeah, uh, they're the more
1: yeah they're morally sturdy creatures and they're you know more interested in you know just being happy and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, the, the book did a really good job and the, in the, and the movie did a good job with the eye of Sauron realizing what had happened. You can see it. You know, realizing this is happening behind what in turns in the books, you know, immediately all the Nazgul immediately start racing for the mountain, but it's just too late.
0: Yep. No, I thought the same thing, Yeah. you know, the same, it, it, the mark of something being able to be done without words mm-hmm. and, and you understand what's going on. Again, I talked about it uh, again in one of the previous, uh, shows was that scene, uh, not, not this one, but the scene in, uh, return of the Jedi where, uh, the, uh, the emperor is, uh, Given Luke the old force lightning mm. while Vader's standing back up after getting his ass handed to him.
1: Yeah. And just looking, looking at the
0: emperor and looking at Luke and looking at the emperor and you can just see it. Yeah. He's got a mask on. Yeah. But you can see, the you fight. can see what he's, what's going through his head, you know? And then Lucas goes and ruins it with no, no, no. You know, it wasn't the the terrible no at the end of Revenge of the Sith wasn't bad enough? Let's let's return to that, that and was the and worst. put that. My God, that was the worst. Unreal. Which, by the way, um, I don't care. I mean, there there's people that will that will stick up for it, but holy crap, I, Lucas went out of his way in finding terrible actors for Anakin Skywalker across the board. Um.
1: Uh I, uh, I, I, Hayden Christensen isn't, isn't that bad. I think, I think what really, well,
0: him combined with the dialogue I'm is that, that's, that bad.
1: That's the problem. It's the dialogue. I mean, you could hand that dialogue to Marlon Brando and it's going to come out sounding bad. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I fair enough. Sand. Fair enough. But Gets everywhere. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, exactly. You saw in that, that moment,
1: mm-hmm.
0: a, a giant glowing eyeball
1: realizing, Oh shit. Just how foolish he's been. (laughs) And that was, that that was, you know how the book described it, realizing the enormity of his folly. And it's all been keeping him focused right here, right on what's coming up, thinking that here comes the King, the new King with my ring. And he thinks he's strong and I'm going to let him walk right up to the gates and talk his yang and, and send then take out it that, from him. Yeah, and then send out that thing <laughs> to go speak to him. The, the mouth, mouth of, of Sauron. Sauron.
0: Gosh, <laughs> that Marilyn Manson, Manson-looking creature, <laughs> yeah. which wasn't in the theatrical cut. It was only in the extended. Really? Yep. I
1: did yep. not know. They
0: took that, yeah, and it was done for um, pacing. He, yeah, he takes the head off it. hmm Yep. Yeah, it, very nice.
1: Now, see, the 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 ending of... Uh, of the books, the Lord of the Rings, not just, not just the return of, uh, see Saruman. Uh, did you, did you end up reading it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, Saruman eventually, you know, came back to Hobbit and just, you know, the scourge, laid, scourge know, of the Shire laid waste to everything and turned and basically went corporate with it, you know, and just, you know, polluted everything. But what the real ending that I enjoyed was Bilbo and Frodo leaving. Going to the Undying Lands. Yeah.
0: That's the invite you were talking about that you needed from the elves.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it, uh, to me, and because he, he said it many times, um, um, Jared Tolkien said, you know, there's nothing allegorical here, there's no metaphor or anything like that. But, being in a war, especially like being in a war. Because like he World, was. Yeah, he was in World, World War One, One mm-hmm. where you didn't measure casualties in, you know, tens or twenties, but in thousands. And, you know, Britain lost a whole generation of young men in just, you know, hours at a time. It didn't take much. And for him to see that kind of brutality and, and you know, it, it translates into the way he writes about war and about the uses and the purpose of it. And especially, you know, the, the, they didn't go into it in the movie at all, but you know, in the books, um, you know, for, for years, several years after, uh, after he had returned, Frodo was always hurt, you know, on certain days. Right. And, you know, would try and grasp for the ring and he always held on to the, uh, to the, the necklace that was given to him instead. And it was just a recognition that,
0: you and, never truly get away from it.
1: Yeah. He's going to be once, fighting yeah. that his entire. Exactly. You're not ever, you have lost a piece of yourself. This horrible thing war has taken part of you and you will never be whole again. And it was just a recognition of that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, he never, he never mentioned that. Or Do
0: you think that ending it? was kind of therapeutic in a way for him to go ahead and, and, and take those. Cause in the movies it described, you know, as, as ring bearers, mm. Frodo and Bilbo, yeah, that the elves realized what they went through to go ahead, and that's why they were brought along uh, to the uh, Gray Havens. Was that the is yeah. that the same as the, what yeah. they call the Undying Lands? Yeah. So, um, you know, is that some kind of acknowledgement of what people went through in in war? I didn't see the movie, but they did they did one last year, I think, on Tolkien.
1: And I haven't watched that either. I want to watch that. You know, yeah.
0: it, it, in writing The Lord of the Rings, but it delved heavily into his uh, service in World War One. Yeah, I. No, yeah I haven't seen him, it. I no, need
1: to see it. What's that kid's name? Nicholas Holt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was impressive. Yep. And uh, yeah, I haven't watched that either. And I, I want to. Um, I, I haven't read any biographies of uh, Tolkien, which I probably should have. But I just, I just haven't. I've only read his works, and I haven't even read all of his works. I mean, if have you ever tried to crack open the Silmarillion?
0: It's like a history book it's, that it's, is, yeah. just an appendix. I mean, that's and that's what it is. Yeah. But it's just, it's just like, yeah. I mean,
1: it's like trying to read the
0: Bible. Yeah, you can't go ahead and it, there's no flow.
1: Mm-hmm. If that
0: makes sense. Yeah, it's like if you, yeah, it, literally, if you stumbled, it's like before somebody put the Bible together. Yeah, and getting all the. You know, scripture and all this kind of stuff, piece by piece and and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, no. And I, don't,
1: I don't think that was published until after his death. Yeah, I think I his son right. put it together, didn't he? Yeah, his son His son for years did a lot of... Um, Christopher Tolkien. Christopher Tolkien for years did a lot of digging through his notes and putting them together in different volumes and things like that that were released. And I, I never saw them in books bookstores, but I always found them in libraries. You know, I, I guess they just weren't very popular... Um, But you could, you know, and he would say in there, these are just, you know, releases of my father's notes. And what you will find in here is quite often you'll find something that is contradictory to what we would consider canon. Uh, but that's just, you know, these are his notes and these are, you know, his thoughts and how he decided he wanted to do this. So it, I, I tried to get into the Silmarillion a couple of times. There's a couple of really good stories in there that I'm I'm aware of just from reading synopses but I haven't actually read any of them.
0: So knowing you as as I do and how uh I mean you can blaze through how long does it take you to read a 400 page book if you're interested in it?
1: And if I'm interested in it? Yeah,
0: like it's a page got, turner
1: and if I've got the time, yeah. a day.
0: Okay. So you being what I would consider a diehard Lord of the Rings, Hobbit fan.
1: Mm.
0: It's even tough for you to go ahead and and get into um, all that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's, and and not only that, but I've, I've been invested in those characters since I was a kid. So for, uh, uh, you know, now that I'm an adult, maybe it's a little bit different. If I had tried to read them when I was a kid, maybe I would have more interest in them. But uh, like I said, the Hobbit in particular, I was, that was the, the book my dad was reading me in the crib. That was, do you remember the, the 78 records that mm-hmm. they used to sell with the yeah. pages that you'd, you know, follow along. I had that with the little, uh, Disney Mickey mouse record player with sure. the little arm and I'd sit there and listen to that when I was little. And, uh, I had, I I'm, I'm impressed by the stories. Like I said, I've, I've read the synopsis, but the, the writing itself is, is difficult to parse through.
0: When you say the writing is difficult to parse through, like in what context it doesn't flow as a story or is it just bits and pieces that that do it?
1: It's, you know, it's his writing, but it was, it was notes. It wasn't his polished work. So it was
0: basically just, just things that he was going to get to possibly, or wrote down for background. Because one of the things is Lord of the Rings, the the story takes place in what's called the second age. Mm. So, you know, for him and, and you mentioned how he really wanted this grand scale of mythology. Yeah. You can't go ahead and keep that all in one generation. No, it has to go back and there has to be lineage and, and family trees and, and things of like that
1: all, all the way back to the beginning. I mean, his, you know, his, uh, his version of, 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 God in this, the Eru, and you know, how he spoke spoke the word and, or spoke the, the universe and a being and what have you. Um, there there's several of the books that uh, he's put out there that uh, like unfinished tales and the Silmarillion both kind of read a little bit on the same level. Um, I think the uh, ones that they've been putting out, which Christopher um, has been putting out lately, like uh, what is it? Children of Huron Mm -hmm. and things like, I think he, I think he made more of an effort to make that a, Uh, a A story, a more story. Yeah. More like a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, people who are, you know, people who are diehard fans and, you know, will get into the Silmarillion will take me out and crucify me for saying any of this. Uh, those people are completely, you know, focused on all of it. And it's, you know, it's exactly how it's supposed to be. And, you know, you're just too stupid to follow your way through it. Sure. But, uh, it just, uh, just, it just doesn't do as much for me. So, Obviously, um,
0: given one, you're going to take the books every time. Yeah. 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 Uh, Understandable. Um, the movies as a whole, even with, uh, the parts, uh, the, the second film, the two towers being the, uh, the, the, uh, train wreck,
1: Mm -hmm. uh, where would I rate them?
0: uh, Yeah. I mean, what, uh, Can you watch the trilogy? I mean, I know you haven't, but if, could you sit down? If if somebody said, Hey, you know, today don't do anything. Here's these films. Yeah. Could you watch the two towers in context of the
1: story? Yeah. It would be difficult for me to, uh, you know, if this was a friend of mine who had never seen it, you know, I wouldn't want to ruin it for him. Sure, you know, you don't you don't want to be that guy. You know, actually, in the book, what they did, you don't want to be. The book
0: is better. Yeah, than the
1: you don't movie guy. Yeah, you don't want to. You know, you can you can do that when you're sitting around a bar and talking around something like that. Right. But you, you know, when you're watching that, you don't want to be sitting there and ruining this image or anything yeah. for him because you know they might be loving it. I mean, you know, the reason I didn't like it was because it departed so much from what I already had. It might be what just you knew. Fine. Yeah. Right. It right. might be just fine, but it's so, so far beyond what was in my head to begin with. No, I wouldn't want to ruin it right. for somebody. So I'd sit through them with it. And, um, you know, I had really high hopes for the Hobbit because that wasn't as serious of a, uh, of a story. I, I
0: will tell you that I hated those films in a way and, and not, not an, a, a, I want them to die, kind of way, mm-hmm. but I hated them because it just felt like a cash grab. Yeah, it
1: and again it, phoning it in.
0: It, it did.
1: The, um, that was one of the ones that I was thinking of when we were talking about really bad CGI. Oh, terrible! There was a, a a scene I remember where they, you know, the dwarves are falling down some waterfall, river, or mm-hmm. something like that, and it, it was terrible. Yeah. I mean, it was the worst CGI that I had seen in years. And I was like, this isn't even like something, this is worse than what, something that I'd pick up on a TV show.
0: And, and the, yeah. And the, and the dwarves
1: were, yeah, it was, it was
0: they were almost all comic relief.
1: Yeah. Except Thorin. Um, a, a lot of, you know, the, 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 the Hobbit is, you know, a lot of, it's, a lot it's of more of was, a kid's story. It, was, it is a kid story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and I, I love that book and that's still one of the books that I can just pick up and crack open or, um, uh you know I encourage people to uh get audiobooks. That's a that's a great audiobook to yeah. listen to. Um there's a there's a couple audiobooks that uh when I was working I would uh just have one in the background all the time. Mm-hmm. Um The Hobbit. Uh there's this one by uh, uh C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's a uh it's it's a short book. It's a series of letters written from an uncle who is a devil and higher up in the hierarchy to his nephew, who is a entry level tempter about how to get his human into hell. (laughs) Oh, it's hilarious, dude. It is great. The screw tape letters, screw tape letters. And even better to hear John Cleese reading these. Oh, it's just, it's hilarious. It's fantastic. I
0: am going to, I've got audible credits. So I'm going to go ahead and, oh, and pick that up. Oh,
1: you need to, because it is fantastic, you know? And, uh, let's see some of that. You know what, you know what some of the best, uh, audio books that I have are, uh, the Harry Potter books. I they, agree. Yeah. They did a I could fantastic listen to those job.
0: Um, I could listen to them over and over mm-hmm. those, even though it was, uh, I was so much older when I listened and, and, and read those books. um, I got a real picture from those more so than from anything else of what, uh, what you and Josh, our friend, Josh would tell, uh, tell me when I would defend the Lord of the Rings movies on how, um, I, I think Josh was more hurt by these films than you were. <laughs> it, it seems like, because he really talked about, um, he always would tell me, he said, now imagine somebody taking what you love about star Wars and changing it. Yeah. Because I think he's seriously hurt by it. I yeah. think he's scarred.
1: Yeah. And I, I, agree with that. Uh, I agree with that, uh, that description completely, uh, you know, especially if they're just taking it and changing it for no reason, no reason, just, just because the scriptwriter wanted to put his stamp on it, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I could, I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah,
0: sure. So the Lord of the Rings movies, uh, still recommended but yeah. the book's more highly recommended.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um that that usually goes, you know what it's been my experience is that the if it's a short story, it usually makes a better movie.
0: In except in the case of the Hobbit, which for some reason, how many pages is that book? I don't know. It's short. Maybe 150?
1: Uh, oh, Did it's th- it's longer than that. Uh, I don't know. 200 200? maybe something like that. I don't know. Yeah.
0: So you've got the combined length of Lord of the Rings the 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 story, mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings, from Fellowship through Return of the King, twelve hundred pages. Oh, I don't know. I've never even really looked. I mean, they're they're huge. Yeah. You know, volumes. So let's say, let's say fifteen hundred to two thousand pages. Yeah. Get three movies. Yeah. The Hobbit, a two hundred page book,
1: gets cash, three movies. Cash grab.
0: <laughs> Unreal, yeah. but. Another story for another time, Sean. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time and jumping on here. I, you know, when I got um, when I got to this film and I thought, you know, I want to do a an episode on this. The discussions we've had over the years with this, where it was an obvious choice to to uh, have you on. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, join me on this one.
1: Oh, I'm happy to be here. It was great.
0: All right. Thanks again. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed the discussion that I had with Sean on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. As always, I appreciate all of you who listen and remember you can go ahead and follow the show at Twitter at this won't teach Instagram, this underscore won't underscore teach underscore you underscore anything. Email this won't teach at gmail.com Facebook at this won't teach again. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on This Won't Teach You Anything.